0: I've been told that there are no two snowflakes that are exactly alike. And you know, I think pumpkins are like that too. When we were unloading the pumpkin truck the other day, I was blown away at how different these pumpkins are. There were really large pumpkins and medium pumpkins and small pumpkins and their weight was even different and, and deceptive, like I'd go Reach for a, a medium-sized pumpkin coming off the truck thinking it would be as light as the last medium-sized pumpkin that I carried And like whoa the thing was heavier than the biggest pumpkin. I had carried. It was crazy like so so their density is is even different and the colors like I know about the the, the orange pumpkins and and you know the slightly different shades of orange, but like there are white pumpkins and and pink pumpkins and and uh, a really beautiful green pumpkin, and there's some green and orange pumpkins. and um, Some of the pumpkins have really fat stems, some of them have small pretty curly stems, some of them have no stems at all. And I was walking to the back of the truck to get another pumpkin, and I noticed uh, that one there, and I'm like, that pumpkin looks just like a Canadian goose. And Kara was like, yeah, it's called a swan pumpkin. I'm like, who knew? You know, we're like these pumpkins. We're all different. We're, we're different sizes and weights and and, and shapes. Um, some of us have curls, and, and some of us don't. <laughs> you know, just these pumpkins have smooth skin, and grooved skin, and, and skin with different colored warts. And you know, that, that's kind of us too. Uh, we're all different. Uh, We're unique creatures. God made us that way. And the thing is, the awesome thing is, is that we're deeply and uniquely loved by God who created us. In this stewardship season, we've been talking about um, hitting our stride, um, discovering ways that that we can really make a difference with all that, that has been entrusted to us. So, STRIDE is an acronym. We've talked about um, discovering our spiritual gifts and and what those are. We've we've talked about our our natural talents and abilities and and our acquired skills. Last year, uh, we we took a long look at our resources. How do we best utilize the resources that God has entrusted us uh, to make a difference? Uh, Today, um, our individuality comes into play. You know, uh, Paul says, now, you are a member of the body of Christ, or you are the body of Christ, and individually members of it. In my wonderful Wednesday class that I'm teaching, it's, it's called Serving from the Heart, and it's a class about um, discovering our gifts so that we can find a place, our place, Uh, to serve in in ministry and in God's kingdom. And so we're talking about all of these things that are in this acronym, Stride. And when we get to the to the part about individuality, what we discover is, is that the way that we're wired, our personality, it really matters and that our personalities are so different. Many of us know this because we've since college days or early on in life, uh, we've taken like the Myers-Briggs test and those personality tests that that we start saying, Well, I'm an A and I'm a D and, and stuff like that, you know. Um, but one of the things that we discover and, and that's, um, you know, kind of familiar to us is that some of us are extroverts. Like we're just kind of out there on the edge and we draw our energy from other people and, and from the crowd. Others of us are introverts. And when we're in the crowd, uh, it drains us, and we kind of like to have to go home and, and take a nap and, and, and recover from that sort of thing. Or, like, um, the kind of environment that we like to be in. A lot of us really appreciate a stable environment, appreciate having clear instructions, like a clear job description. Um, you know, not too many surprises. The expectations are kind of out there. Um, others really thrive in a, in a flexible environment. You know, it's uh, an environment where sometimes you just gotta fly by the seat of your pants because it's unpredictable and, and anything can happen. I thought about a couple of uh, ministry experiences that, that I've had that kind of illustrate that. Um, a few months ago, uh, as a part of our congregational care team, I went to Asheville um, to a nursing home to, to make a visit of one of our members. Um, the, the nursing home actually specialized in, in memory care and in helping patients who are struggling with dementia and so I asked Becky and And Rachel in our meeting I was like so um, I'm having trouble uh, remembering who Laura Soltis is could you could you remind me who Laura is and and so they told me you know all about Laura and so when I got to her room right before I knocked on the door I saw this plaque hanging right beside her door and and it was this really cool plaque Um, and I want I wanted to read it to you she says hello my name is Laura I am intelligent, I am an intelligent witty bookworm from Waynesville, North Carolina. I have my masters in library science and worked as the director of the Newton County Library. I helped to build the library and there's even a room named after me. My family is from Cataloochee Valley, so that area holds a very special place in my heart. She says, I love being outside in the garden, the beach or the mountains. I have attended church all my life and even started the Faith Sunday School class in the 1970s. I was like, whoa, they are still going strong today. And then her last sentence is, let's sit outside together and drink some wine. I just thought that was really cool and it gave me some stuff to talk about with her and some questions to ask. And so we didn't go outside and sip wine together, but I sat in her cozy little room I sat with this librarian in this quiet space, and she is so sweet. And we had a delightful conversation, and I left that ministry opportunity just really, really happy. Well, the flip side of that is, sometimes I'm working with middle schoolers. Like at a previous church, my confirmation class was 18 one year. I imagine that just for a second, being alone in in a room in the church with 18 12 year olds. And this one particular day, I don't know what kind of snack they had, but it was off the charts. They were all over the place. I mean, you know how a story can get exaggerated, but I think pencils were flying, the kids were laughing, they were getting up out of their seats. Um, I don't remember what I did other than just be really frustrated because I had some really important stuff to say. Uh, but I remember leaving the church that day thinking, okay, that was pretty bad, but we survived. Uh, another Sunday's coming. My very first uh, youth group, I was 21 years old, so you know I knew a whole lot about leading youth ministry. I had six youth. Three of them were sixth graders, three of them were 10th graders, three 12 year old boys, and a couple of girls and a guy who were high schoolers. The, the boys were still really excited about their remote control cars and stuff. The high schoolers, they were mostly uh, excited about each other, you know? And so we're in the middle of this lesson, I'm sure I was teaching something really awesome, and one of the 10th grade girls, she said, hey, if I love my boyfriend, it's okay to sleep with him, right? My mouth drops open, I look over at the 12 year olds, They start fidgeting, their faces are turning beet red, wishing that they could just leave and go play with their remote control cars. And I'm like, what do I do? And I said, well, the the short answer is no, that's a really bad idea and we'll talk about it later. It was awful. None of that was in my notes, totally unpredictable. But I was able to fly by the seat of my pants. I was able to, to improvise. And it turned out okay. There was a very deep and and meaningful conversation with the three high schoolers leaning in the counter in the kitchen um, about our relationships and about what it means for our relationships to be holy. So as we continue on this journey of discovering the possibilities of how we can serve in a place that that, that fits, um, that works for us, uh, it's important for us to remember um, that our personality, our individuality, uh, it's an important piece of the puzzle. This is the thing. Our individuality is not individualism. Um, I, I think our culture seems uh, plagued by this, this emphasis on my personal rights, and there's so much self reliance, kind of that cowboy attitude um, where I don't need you. Uh, I've got this. I can pull myself up by my bootstraps. You know, our, our faith journey. It does not stop with the me and Jesus moments. Like those are important moments. Like our faith journey, I mean, it is private um, and and individual and and intimate, um, but it doesn't stop there. It's so uh, much more than that. I mean, it's also not private and it's not isolated and it's not individualistic. Like we are sons and daughters of God and you know, we are in this together, like Paul says, uh, we are the living body of Christ, and so our unique personalities—they um, are a part. We are a part uh, individually of this much bigger thing. So I, I was reading in my my prayer book today. It's a common prayer, a, a liturgy for ordinary radicals by Shane Claiborne and. Jonathan Wilson Hartgrove, and there was another author, I can't remember her name. Uh, but it, but it, on, on this particular day, they were uh, talking about Oskar Schindler and telling Oskar Schindler's story. Uh, Schindler um, uh, w- was living in, a German, living in, in Czechoslovakia um, in 1939 uh, when he joined the Nazi party. Well, when, uh, when the Germans invaded Poland, Schindler being the businessman that he was he moved to Krakow and he took over two manufacturing companies and like a lot of business people in his day um, he made his fortune in part because he had the the cheap labor uh, uh, using the Jews that, that were living in the ghettos there in, in Krakow well as Schindler was making his fortune uh, he began to notice that um, the Nazis were, were killing and, and deporting the Jews. And, and so uh, he was disturbed by that and, and he was moved by that. And he began to use his, um, his, his prowess in, in business uh, to kind of shift his enterprise a little bit. He moved uh, his, his workers uh, fr- from, from Krakow. He eventually moved his manufacturing companies back to Czechoslovakia. Uh, he convinced the Germans that uh, he needed more workers. Um, on one occasion, there were a thousand Jews that were on a train and, and they were on their way to this new plant that he had built in Czechoslovakia. But, but something got mixed up and it was diverted and the train was, was headed to Auschwitz um, and, and uh, the extermination camps. So he goes frantically and, and um, he convinces the Nazis Uh, to turn the train around, and he has to give them diamonds and and gold and stuff. Um, Oscar Schindler, it's reported that he saved from uh, extermination 1,200 Jews. And they say that there are over 7,000, probably closer to 8,000 descendants of those uh, Schindler Jews uh, living around the world. I mean, it's an amazing story, a story about um, human decency, but I think there's a lot of layers to it too. Like nobody knew that Oscar Schindler was that kind of guy; that he had that kind of, of heroic, you know, gumption uh, inside of him. Um, you know, it's an example uh, of one person uh, making an amazing difference. It's a reminder that we each have a unique part to play, and. You know, that God calls us sometimes into action that's, that's radical. And like somebody, at least one of us, has to have the vision, has to have the courage that says, you know, we got to get this done. Uh, the psalmist says in, in Psalm uh, 139, beginning with verse 13, For it was you who formed my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Amen.